Welcome back to the Two Man Wall Podcast. This is not only Match Week 31, but also Match Week 32. I had a little bit of a travel conflict last week, so we're saving it all for this week. And what a couple of weeks it was. I am here with my counterpart with the mostest. Didn't come out as I thought it would. (laughs) Ethan. What's up? (laughs) And... Before we get into our Premier League coverage, we have some, you know, less important, to this podcast at least, exterior coverage to cover. The FA Cup semifinals and the UCL quarterfinals happened over the last couple of weeks. But before before we get into that, Ethan has some life news to share with us. Ethan, take it away. Yeah, I am, as you may or may not know, I'm a senior. And I've just committed to the University of Wisconsin. So I'm joining Braden in the uh in the Big Ten. Go Badgers. So Go Hoosiers. We'll have a couple of yeah, <laughs> couple of Indiana, Wisconsin battles to come in these uh next four years. So yeah, I'm very excited. You can very take, happy you can to take have uh, committed. You can take football. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll take, take football. Well, I it's not I don't even have a say in it. Indiana is <laughs> one of the worst power five football programs of all time, statistically, <laughs> but certainly in the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, big news for the boy going to college. It's always nice. Got to suck for the roommate to be recording in the room. Maybe you'll find somewhere to record. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, R- roommate preferences also <laughs> does podcasts. <laughs> Never in the room, perhaps. Um, <laughs> but with that, we'll get into our FA Cup semifinal coverage, starting off with City cruising. I mean, is this even news? City beating Sheffield at Wembley. Good job. I'm proud of you, City. I think we pretty much. I think we pretty much some the old. Thing <laughs> that, that's about as much covering there, as we really there was need a football to go match into for that one between Manchester City and Sheffield United. <laughs> it happened the way you would expect it would. Um, well, to be fair, there was a Riyad Mahrez hat trick. Yeah, I feel like yeah, that's, okay, that's, that's somewhat noteworthy. What one of their seventy so, million signings scored a hat trick? Who would have thought? Anyway, <laughs> yeah, good, good for him. <laughs> Uh, but the second game was a little more dramatic, should we say. United versus Brighton goes all the way to penalties where Solly Marsh misses by, you know, not, not a little bit. He missed, he missed by, <laughs> he, he leaned back a little bit and opens the door for Vic, uh, Victor Lindelof to slot home the winner. Apparently he's called Iceman. And, that, and now he I, is. Yeah, I don't know. They just love making names for their average center backs, I guess. Um, He's from Sweden. So, yeah, that's, I, I guess. guess that's um, but yeah, City versus United in the FA Cup final. I was kind of like, after City won, obviously, um, United versus Brighton, I either way, I would have been okay with it because United versus City would have been a cool final, but Brighton were my, you know, my my pick to be like, oh, like, I would really like to see Brighton get a trophy out of this season. Yeah. Similar to the way Leicester won it a couple years ago, where I'm like, wow, they had a pretty good season. Like, I would like him to get a trophy out of this. Um, I would have also liked to see Brighton get a trophy out of this season. But hey, can't always get what you want. Um, but it yeah. does set up for a pretty spicy FA Cup final. Um, no, definitely. And Brighton were very, obviously, they lost on pens. They're very unlucky <laughs> in this one. It could have gone either way. I think. The thing everybody was focusing in on was the Kairu Matoma Aaron Wambasaka duel oh, on yeah. that uh, on that left wing, which Wambasaka 
I think it's fair to say he won that one. I don't think Matoma dribbled past him in the entirety of that game. Uh, I, I had a feeling Wambasaka would come out on top. Nothing against Matoma, who I absolutely love as a player, but Wambasaka is just such a good 1v1 defender. There's not many players on the planet who can consistently get past him over the course of 90 minutes, or in this case, 120 minutes. So that was definitely fun to watch. Uh, another thing is um, that Wild Wakehorse definitely does not want to go back to uh, <laughs> There's, a, I think it's Burnley, actually. Yeah. Because I think he got loaned from Burnley to Besiktas, and then they loaned him out to United. So yeah, he definitely doesn't want to leave. <laughs> He was certainly reveling in the moment, just going complete opposite direction of his entire team to yeah. celebrate with the fans, <laughs> which, which is a bit odd, but hey, you got to enjoy it. He certainly didn't. I won't blame him because after the uh, lost Argentina in the uh, World Cup penalty shoot, that's not like he is experienced in winning these things. Yeah. So he's not entirely sure what to do. <laughs> so, but he just got confused. It's okay. <laughs> it's, it's a learning curve. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we move on to the UCL quarterfinals. Um, Man City and Real Madrid, respectively, putting away their opponents. Um, Real Madrid cruising past a Chelsea team that, uh, you know, with the only competition they're really still in, maybe you thought they would have put up a fight. You'd be wrong. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty one-sided for both legs. Um, certainly Headline, there. Real Madrid beats mid-table <laughs> English club. <laughs> Who would have thought? Um, but City do the job at the Allianz after going up 3-0 at home. Um, but on the other side of the bracket, just football poetry at its finest. Not only is it the Milan Derby, but it's the Milan Derby in the final season for the San Siro. It is getting torn down this summer. Um, and it's just fantastic fantastic i mean i yeah. i my pick was napoli for the entire out of this eight my pick was napoli and they kind of pooped themselves a little bit in the first <laughs> leg without Oshman, you know and they also missed two penalties i think in the uh in this game so um at least one so they they did poop themselves you know dictionary definition pooped but you know milan got the job done historic champions league club and then Inter get past Benfica in a pretty hectic second leg. Um, but they sneak by, and it sets up to send one of the Milan teams to the uh, Champions League final, which is pretty fantastic. Um, this I just want to say that this Milan-Napoli um, rivalry has, is just such Tottenham Manson vibes <laughs> where in the league, I mean, Napoli is just cruising past everybody. They have like an... 18 or 16 point gap at the top and AC Milan's even further down. Yeah. But for some reason, head to head, <laughs> Napoli cannot beat AC Milan for shit. <laughs> they they just can't. And there's no real explanation, but it's just the way it goes. The same thing happened in sure. 2019. Uh Man City cruising to uh Premier League title. Well, not cruising, but Certainly cruising past Tottenham yeah. to the uh, <laughs> to the title, but head to head happens every year. <laughs> Somehow City lose to Tottenham and happened in the quarterfinal that year too. So yeah, yeah, it's just weird how these things work. And these domestic these domestic uh, ties between clubs from the same country for whatever reason these the team that's doing worse in the league seems to come out on top or at least have a better chance. 
May 9th and May 10th are the days for the uh the two semifinals. Um June 10th is when the the UCL final is, which I feel like is pretty uh, it's late, a little late. But yeah. maybe because of the World Cup, I guess. Um Yeah, everything's being pushed back a little bit. But yeah, pretty exciting. Um certainly City Real Madrid is that's like the final boss for uh for City. Kind of just like if they want to win the Champions League, they gotta get yeah. past the final boss, which is Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, should be very tasty. But with that, we'll move on to our Match Week 31 and Match Week 32 coverage, starting off with the Worst Team Wins update. If you are unfamiliar with the Worst Team Wins competition, it is a season-long competition between me and Ethan, where before the season, we drafted snake draft-style players from FPL with dollar amounts assigned to them, looking to fill up 80 million pounds worth per team of players that would perform the worst throughout the course of the season rather than the best. So the team that accumulates the least amount of points throughout the course of the season is the winner. Basically trying to draft busts, getting least amount of value per player. Give us the update, Ethan. So once again, just like the last podcast, we have a uh, two match week update for you. So match week 31 was a pretty close contest. Uh, my team, Garnacho Cheese, had 36 points, while Brian's team, Jesus Died for our top ends, had 38 points. But where the real headlines are made are in this next week, where Brayden puts up an absolutely historic <laughs> two-point total for his team, Jesus Died for our top ends. I had 27. Uh, I believe, yeah, Saka got a goal, and you know a couple other players had some points. But Brayden... His only two points were courtesy of, I believe, Emmy Martinez with one point and Darwin Nunez with one point. None of the city players played, so Stone. Yeah, there is Spoden, an asterisk next to that. Holland, uh, Mars. Yes, there is an asterisk because what neither of us realizes is that he does have four city players, <laughs> which is against FPL rules. You can only have three players from one club, but we'll let it go because if he wants to have four city players in a team that's supposed to perform badly, I'll I'll let it slide. <laughs> So he he can have this week because they still do have to play those games. Yeah. It's uh it's an aggregate thing. It's gonna come back. Doesn't matter. At some point. <laughs> yeah, it's all gonna come back around. But we'll let Brian have his fun this week. And I have to give credit to him. It's probably too little, too late. But he is making one hell of a late season surge. He has brought the gap down to 100 points. His team on 1,091. My team on 991. So we're almost in the. In the double digits here. I mean, going towards the back end of the season. Yeah, if if it was gonna happen, it was gonna happen like this. So that's all I gotta say. Hundred points over six weeks. Crazier things have happened. Made up twenty points this week. That's more. If I made up twenty points every week, I don't know. I, I I'd win by a lot. I would buy, I guess, twenty points. So if the entire if the city's plane goes yeah. down <laughs> tragically, I think you might have a shot. Praying. I'm praying. Anyway. <laughs> Um, we get into our match week 31 and match week 32 game coverage, but this week we're going to cover it a little bit differently because we're getting into the run in, uh, and got some, got two weeks to cover. A lot has happened. Uh, didn't want to jam it all in. So we're going to go instead of game by game, instead of team by team, which we've also done, we're going to go. Battle by battle. And let me explain that. First, we're going to do the relegation battle. The 17-18 relegation battle that we have determined. Um, it is 
I'm blanking on the word. <laughs> encapsulates the relegation yes. battle. <laughs> the eight-team uh, encapsulating relegation battle. The four, the three-team race for the top four, and then, of course, the two-horse race for the title. So we're going to go race by race, breaking down their games from the last two match weeks, each team's game from the last two match weeks, what games they have coming up, and who we think We'll get relegated, we'll get top four, and we'll get the title at the end of the season. How does that sound? Sounds good to me, considering we agreed on it beforehand. Perfect. So <laughs> I was more of a rhetorical for the listeners. All Anyways, right, cool. <laughs> um, we start off with the relegation battle. West Ham, Wolves, Bournemouth, Leeds, Leicester, Everton, Force, and Southampton are the entrance into this one. And starting off with West Ham, a 2-2 draw against Arsenal is found money. And then a 4 nothing drubbing of Bournemouth, who have been on decent form, just took three points at uh, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, I believe. Um, so, fantastic couple of weeks for West Ham. Yeah. Wolves, 2 nothing win against Brentford, very valuable. Uh, any W in a, for any of these teams is very valuable, obviously, but against Brentford, who, granted, are not on their you know prime form this season, but it's still a fantastic win, 2 nothing. And then a 2-1 loss to Leicester. We'll get to Leicester in a second, but it's huge for Leicester because they've been sliding. Um, Bournemouth beating Spurs 3-2. Again, kind of like found money, although they're not in great form, still found money. Gets the big six. And then a 4 nothing, maybe right off game against West Ham at home. Um, Leeds, 6-1 loss to Liverpool. Bit of a snowballing effect there. And then a... I believe I remember you predicting a Leeds win there. Oh, uh, the well, <laughs> see, we only talk about the ones I get right, not the ones I get wrong. Okay. Okay. We're going to cut that out. Um, <laughs> anyway, two, a 6 1 loss to Liverpool at home, and then a 2 1 loss to Fulham. Zero points for two games for Leeds. Leicester City lose 3 1 to Manchester City. I believe you said that it would be a one goal game. So for it's just pointing out our our, our picks here. Um, <laughs> okay, it's, it's only one goal off. <laughs> anyway, uh, you were like what six goals <laughs> off in the wrong direction. Right, a loss is a loss. Okay, um, and then a two-one win against Wolves, a huge three points towards the end of the season, especially for a sliding Leicester team who just fired their manager a couple weeks ago. Everton, three-one loss to Fulham in match week thirty-one, and then a nil-nil draw with Palace. Match week 32, one point from two games there. Nottingham Forest lose 2-0 to United away and then lose 3-2 to Liverpool at home. A valiant effort for Forest against Liverpool, but just couldn't come up with any points at the end. And then Southampton lose 2-0 at home to Palace in match week 31 and then just rip some kind of performance out of their assholes <laughs> at the Emirates and draw 3-3. Because Todd, because Theo Walcott has to score a goal at the Emirates for the team he's played for for eight years and is a club legend and achieved three FA Cups. So good not th- a club legend anymore. No. <laughs> if good, if good Arsenal lose the title, good for Theo by uh, a point or two. Um, yeah, I'm very happy for Theo. No, no sarcasm <laughs> at all, not whatsoever. Anyway, um, so that is the relegation battle. Currently, the table sits as follows. Crystal Palace on 32 games on 37 points in 12th. Everyone here besides West Ham, who sits 13th on 31 games on 34 points, is on 32. 
So for all these teams to be on 32 and Crystal Palace on 37, sitting nine points ahead of the of Everton in 18th, the relegation, uh, the last relegation team, I think it's fair to say that they are safe, um, which is why we left mm-hmm. them out of this. Um, but West Ham, who I guess if they won their game at hand would be in the same spot. So they, it's I would say they have their destiny in their hands when it comes to kind of escaping this relegation battle at this point. Um, on 34, then Wolves having played one more game on 34, and then Bournemouth, same amount of games on 33, then in 16th, Leeds on 29, 17th, Leicester on 28, and then the three teams in the relegation zone, Everton on 28, Forest on 27, and Southampton on 24. No team in the bottom three has a win in their last five games. And that's... you. Can't say that about any other team besides Brentford and, of course, Chelsea right now. So right now, I guess the table is shaping up the way it should. However, we did throw together a little bit of a statistic of kind of strength of schedule. So basically, the games they have left to play, and for all of them besides West Ham, it's six. Um, and you take the the where they are in the table. And then you divide it by, you add them all up, all the games that they have left, all the opponents they have left, you take all their table positions, add them all up, and then divide it by the amount of games you're playing. So looking at this statistic, Bournemouth are sitting, everyone's sitting for the most part between like 9, 10, 11. Bournemouth are at 13.5. So they have, not only do they have easier games, but they have very high leverage games coming. Mm -hmm. Which... They they have their destiny in their own hands. If they including Southampton yes, next week, Southampton next week is coming Thursday, and Everton on the final day, who currently sit in the relegation zone. So they have their destiny in their own hands. Not only that, but they are playing favorable opponents going down the stretch, as opposed to Wolverhampton Wanderers, who have a average table of <laughs> average table position of their remaining games of eight point two. So on average. Yeah. They're playing a Brighton on average. Mm-hmm. So, although they sit right now above Bournemouth, Leeds, Leicester, Everton, Forest, Southampton, they got some pretty difficult games coming up, including the current, you know, current, the team at the, cur- at the top of the table um, on the final day. So, if yeah. they are going to the final day, I mean, Look, Arsenal are trending downwards, but I I certainly expect it to be at least within touching distance on the final day. And if Arsenal, with fans that have paid thousands of dollars to see these tickets because everyone thought they were going to have to parade on the final day, um, now maybe, who knows, but um, a packed Emirates, you're probably not going to get a point. So the your point title total your point total going into match week 38 is probably going to be your point total at the end of the season if you're Wolves. So basically you have five games. And not only that, but it's against very difficult opponents. So what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, uh well, I think Wolves are definitely although they have a pretty difficult schedule ahead, I think that they have looked better in recent weeks and i think being in 14th they have a bit of a gap between them and everton five points i think that should be enough to um nullify the effects of their difficult schedule 
Um, like you mentioned, you know, they got to go to Arsenal on the final day and they have a bunch of other tough fixtures. Uh, I really, I really like Bournemouth's chances, which I couldn't have told you a couple of weeks ago, yeah. but they're just finding ways to get results. I mean, they got absolutely trounced by West Ham, but they're finding wins from someone that beat Tottenham the week before Leicester the week before that, uh, the f- beginning of the month they beat Fulham at home. So they're finding wins, and again, they have Southampton this week. Southampton really can't string a win together, even if they can get a draw. So Bournemouth really should be taking points from that, if not all three. So they've put themselves in a really good position going into these final six games. Uh, I I fear for Leeds a little bit because they really haven't shown many signs of improvement. Their one win in this last five is against a Nottingham Forest team that doesn't have a win in their last like 11 and have just been on a really bad slide and they're still leaking goals like crazy there just doesn't seem to be any visible improvement from this Leeds team and their average table position that they have to play is 9.2 which is second only to Wolves in terms of the teams in this relegation battle so that's kind of the team that I'm really fearing for right now. Forest are, you know, already in a really tough position. Again, their yeah. strength of schedule is middle of the pack. They just have to find some results. Southampton also middle of the pack kind of mm-hmm. difficulty of schedule. Personally, I think nails pretty much in the coffin for them unless they really turn things around it's not a crazy it's not the gap that's really the issue it's just the form i suppose the performance at arsenal getting a draw there when they should have really gotten three points has to be a very promising sign for them but they really need you know big points now a draw is not going to do they can't they can't be letting from a southampton perspective with a 3-1 lead in the 88th minute, they can't let that slip. Yeah. They simply can't afford to, and it could cost them. I, I, I'm i almost looking at this as a process of elimination because I'm looking at these teams. I'm going to assume Southampton's relegated. Whether they climb their way to 18th or sit bottom, I'm going to, for argument's sake, assume that they are sit. We're going to sit in the relegation zone at the end of the season. So that's one relegation team. I can see Nottingham Forest going down just because they're on such shitty form um, and they don't have a necessarily easy schedule like one with it. If their schedules were flipped, maybe I say they climb out of it because they're going to have some high leverage games coming up, but they're playing, you know, the, their average is what, 10, 9, something like that. So it's not, it's not exactly favorable. So I'm going to say Forest get relegated too. Now we're looking at Bournemouth leads Leicester Everton for that last spot. I do think Leicester are a bit too talented to go down. I think they will find it within themselves, even without uh, a, a permanent. Well, they, they do have permanent. It's, it's uh, Dean Smith, and I like that appointment. Um, mm-hmm. I think they will not only not only do they have enough talent, but I think they just have the resolve. That I just think they are a bit too good to go down this season. Even though they've been playing like shit, I think they, they're talented enough to stay up. So I'm going to say Leicester survive. Everton have the talent to stay up. However, and however, what the reason I think they're going to stay up is Sean Dyche. I, I think that 
even though they're on a poor run of form, they they do have two draws in their last two. Um, and I think down the stretch, Goodison Park is going to be rocking to get this team just above the relegation zone. So I'm not saying they finish sixth, you know, 14th or 15th. I think they finish 17th, but they don't get relegated. That leaves Leeds or Bournemouth to go down. And Bournemouth are sitting on 33. That's the the biggest gap here is that four-point gap between Leeds and Bournemouth, 15th, 16th. Leeds on 29, mm-hmm. Bournemouth on 33. That's like the of the bottom seven, that's like the gap kind of, if you were to break it yeah. off. So I think that's going to, uh, combined with the fact that Bournemouth have easier games, that, hey, if they lose them, they're, giving a, <laughs> they're then giving those points to teams below them. So they do need to at least get draws in these games. They can't lose them. But they are in decent form, and they do have an easier schedule. So I think they're going to survive. And that means that Leeds United are going down just by process of elimination. They will sit 18th at the end of the season. And I think that, other than, I think I might have had Southampton at 17th and maybe Bournemouth going down, but I definitely had Nottingham Forest bottom and I had Leeds at 18th. So that's kind of the way I saw it going. You know, they, Leeds were up, then they were down, then they were up, then they were down. Nottingham Forest were up at 14th at one point, now they're down at 19th. So it's fluctuated, but in the end, I think it'll even out and it'll be Southampton Forest Leeds. That's my prediction. Yeah, um, I'm also going to predict Southampton to go down. I, I just think sitting at the foot of the table is just going to be a bit too much to overcome. Hey, listen, if there was a team who could sit 20th with six games to go and you know make the great escape, it would be a team like Southampton who are only four points from safety, mm-hmm. theoretically. But I still just don't feel confident enough to say that they could survive so all of them and this is in no particular order they could like you said go up to 19th even 18th um for my second team i'm also going to have leads uh i them sitting in 16th i feel like is very misleading only sitting one point above mm-hmm. the drop zone like you mentioned their form in comparison to teams like bournemouth or even everton mm-hmm. yeah they one win in their last five. I feel like three draws is a bit more, I'd say, impressive than the one win, especially, again, when you consider that the win was against a Nottingham Forest side that was just on such poor form and, Mm. of course, still is. And then, for me, it's between Nottingham Forest and Everton. And if you look at the strength of schedule, they're pretty similar. Everton's is... Slightly higher, half a place. Um, but I think Nottingham Forest are actually going to pull this one off. I think that this this run of form, I think they're just going to turn it around. I don't have necessarily a particular reason for it, but right, they had a really nice run of form to get themselves out of 19th right before they went just back down onto the slide. I mean, they've lost one, two, three, four, five, six of their last seven, winless in like Mm -hmm. 11 maybe. Uh, But they've done it before. They've got themselves to climb out of this position. And again, they're only two points from safety, one point basically. They're one point off Leicester who sit above the relegation zone. Yeah. Although they do have a worse goal difference. So we'll yeah, say two points. I was going to say, it's worth mentioning that 
Forest are down a half a point on both Everton and Southampton at the moment, uh, and Leicester, because they are just have this negative 33 goal difference um, that yeah. they're unlikely to make up. Certainly on Everton on negative 22 and Leicester on negative thir- 13. Uh, another reason why I think Leicester will survive is because they have that half a point on the other teams, on all the teams in the, in the relegation battle at negative 13. So, yeah, it, I, it could be decided by goal differential. Right now, it is decided by goal differential. This is the end of today. So, yeah, it's, it's worth mentioning that goal differential, definitely. So, yeah, and Everton with Sean Dyche, again, you mentioned the Goodison Park factor. It's proven time and again that it can be really effective for relegation battles. But I just think that Nottingham Forest are going to be able to turn it around enough in this uh, relegation battle. So okay. as much as I don't want to see Everton go down, I'd much rather see Nottingham Forest be relegated. Um, I, I think Everton aren't going to escape the drop this time. All right. Goodison in the championship next season. Let's see if it happens. Uh, that would be something. That, that, would, yeah. uh, that would... I don't know. Uh, uh, losing a Merseyside Derby? That would be crazy. Like, no Merseyside Derbies next season. Maybe in the FA Cup, but... Wow. Yeah. Anyway. We move on to the race for the top four, which took a pretty crazy swing over the last 48 hours. Um, mm-hmm. Manchester United, match week 31, had a 2-0 win against Nottingham Forest away. Did not play a match in match week 32 during, due to their FA Cup semifinal tie. Newcastle lost 3-0 to Aston Villa, which was a little bit of a stunning performance when you think of the form that Newcastle have been on recently. Um, but Aston Villa's form kind of just overpowered them. Um, and they lost to, to three to nil against Aston Villa, which is really, you think they would, if they were to lose, it would be one nothing, two one, something like that. Yeah. But they rebound quite swimmingly, I would say, and score five goals in the first 21 minutes against Tottenham Hotspur in a 6 1 win that would get. Um, I, 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 he was in, he's in charge for, sir, for such a short amount of time. I forget his name. Oh, Stellini. Stellini. I was going to say Scaloni, but that's the Argentinian <laughs> guy. Yeah. yeah Stellini. Yeah. He, just hours ago, he was relieved of his duties as Spurs manager. Ryan Mason took mm-hmm. over, and rightfully so. That was a dreadful performance. Yeah. But Tottenham Hotspur lost 3 2 to Bournemouth at home, and then go on and lose 6 1 to Newcastle at St. James. So right now, the table sits as follows. Newcastle on 31 games. The games are important because they're all in a different amount of games. Mm -hmm. Newcastle on 31 games, 59 points. Man United, 30 games, 59 points. Newcastle way ahead on goal difference, so it's really like 59 and a half for Newcastle. Manchester United, 30 games, 59. And then Tottenham Hotspur on 32 games, two more than United, one more than Newcastle on 53 points. So is this even a race, Ethan? That's that's kind of the debate I've been having. Um, if we're putting Spurs in there, um, you might as well throw in Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could arguably throw Brighton in there, Liverpool in there. If Brighton win their games at hand, they go 32 games, 50, 58 points. Is that right? Yep. Wow, yeah, 58 points. Um, so... But again, 
they still have to play City, still have to play Arsenal, still have to play United. That could be a big game. Yeah. Um, if Brighton are really serious about, you know, playing in the Champions League. I just think it's a bit too much to ask of them to win all those games at hand, although well, on paper it looks very enticing to put them in that battle. Yeah. I can't realistically put them in there until you know, I see the results with my own eyes. But if you want to throw Tottenham in there, I mean, Villa are only two points back of them. And Liverpool, if they win their one game at hand, would go level on points with Tottenham. So, yeah, yeah. Is, it, is it even a race? United six points clear of Tottenham with two games at hand. I'm honestly not sure. I wouldn't feel confident saying any team outside the current top four is going to get it. Yeah, it's certainly so. looking like <laughs> Arsenal City, Newcastle, and Manchester United right now. Uh, who finishes higher, United or Newcastle? I think Newcastle are just on such a tear right now. Mm-hmm. Um, excluding that loss to Villa, who, I mean, to be fair, Villa, they're also on a tear right yeah. now. But United just seem... I shouldn't say they've lost their way. I mean, they've won three games in a row. But, I mean, they're two very good teams. But Newcastle right now, they're just focusing on the league. United still do have the uh, FA Cup final to look forward to, having been now knocked out of the Europa League. Uh, I think Newcastle edges this one out. I'm going to say the exact same thing. Uh, I think Newcastle, the season they've had, you know, Manchester United had that crazy run of form, um, but they've kind of evened out a little bit. They started the season very poorly, very good run of form, have dipped off. So they're, they're kind of up, down, up, and now they're coming down and they're probably going to stay. Not down, because they're not, you know, they still have three wins in the last five. You know, they've dropped four points in the last five games, but I, I just think Newcastle right now are just so solid and they have they have a difficult schedule coming up they still have to play chelsea brighton and arsenal Mm -hmm. um not chelsea actually yes chelsea on the final day um so yeah they still have a difficult schedule but they have arsenal at home um brighton at home and then chelsea away which is one of the easier they certainly the easiest games of that three um, yeah. So they uh, they have of these one two three four five six seven games, one two three four of them are home. Um. So, yeah, I I think it's St James is such a cathedral this year that I I think they will get it done in the end. Mm-hmm. There you go. Top four race sorted. On to the biggie, the big one, uh, the one that is going to define. At least one of these team seasons. Uh, the title race. Arsenal over the last two weeks. Match week 31. They drew at West Ham after having a 2-0 lead. Uh, it was their second 2-0 lead they'd thrown away in two weeks. They followed that up with a... Very... How should I say? Incredible point. <laughs> which is not something you want to hear from a team in first place in the Premier League. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, they made up for uh, choking a two-goal lead by <laughs> uh, making yeah. a two-goal comeback. So basically nullifies it. Yeah, if, if that's the positive you want to take from it. 
And Manchester City over the last two weeks, match week 31, they had a 3-1 win versus Leicester, and they did not play a match in match week 32 because of their FA Cup tie with Sheffield United. The table, as it stands, goes like this. Arsenal in first place, having played 32 games on 75 points. Manchester City on 30 games on 70 points. If Manchester City win their games at hand, they go one point clear at the top of the table. Of course, one of those games at hand is against Arsenal Football Club in just a few days' time. Where do we go? It's looking very bleak for <laughs> Arsenal right now. It, these past Goes two weeks, saying, the cracks. <laughs> these past two weeks, the cracks have just really started to expose themselves. Yeah, the two, the two-two draw away at Anfield. Sure, you could say it was disappointing, but many would argue they shouldn't even have gotten a point from that game after that second half. But you come away at Anfield with the point. Not the end of the world. Half expecting to drop points there. And then you go to West Ham and you go up 2-0 in the first 10 minutes and it looks like you're cruising. Can see the penalty, 2-1. You know, now it's getting a bit tougher. I think it all it pretty much all turns around at the Saka penalty. Now, doesn't change my feelings for Saka. Still love Saka as a player, don't think any less of him. But it's hard it'd be hard to think that if Saka puts that penalty in, yeah. that Arsenal don't get a win mm-hmm. from that game. How it affects their performance against Southampton, y- you really can't say. There's no way to predict that. But Saka puts that penalty away. That's an extra two points on the board. He doesn't, he doesn't, and in the end, it was the beginning of just a series of cracks that began to form. The Boeing goal, good finish. Arguably, Ramsdale should be saving it nonetheless. Defensive line, poor job, you know, getting high up the field. Again, just little things that Arsenal aren't quite doing right. Then they're hoping for a bounce back game against Southampton. First minute, just extremely poor Ramsdale pass gets punished. You know, 10 minutes later, a very routine ball in behind from Alcarez. Walcott just slots the bottom corner. And you have to give credit to Arsenal for the fight back in those final minutes. Definitely could have gotten a winner, too. With one of the last kicks of the game. Yeah, recent <clears throat> missed by an inch. Oh my god. Yeah. It, like statue erected by <clears throat> now if that ball goes in the yeah. net. What mm-hmm. title or not. <laughs> yeah. Reese Nelson deserves more from the season. He alone. <laughs> if nobody else, Reese Nelson deserves a Premier League medal. But yeah, it's it's been two weeks for Arsenal that has been extremely extremely humbling and ahead of this city tie against a city team who look better than ever i mean they're not they're not just beating opponents they're cruising past opponents i can't remember the last game they truly struggled in really the Bayern game maybe because it was a one no win but they were already three goals up so yeah. yeah um it's it's not looking good for arsenal going into this city game uh yeah. <laughs> Tough to argue with that. Um I think one of the 
most important factors that we need to take into account is that William Saliba is most likely done for the season. And mm-hmm. uh, it's again, Rob Holding is not the sole, you know, scapegoat for their downfall in yeah. the last couple of games. But it, if you've watched this team all season, like I have, like you have, you know that William Saliba brings more to the table than Rob Holding in almost every facet of the game, besides maybe headed clearances on corners. Other than we don't move the ball as quickly. He is not nearly as fast as William Saliba. William Saliba is one of the fastest center backs in the Premier League and closes down on a lot of our defensive errors. Um, his battle is out a lot. Has he been on fantastic form recently before he got injured? Not quite. But he is a unbelievable upgrade to Rob Holding. And in that lies the sheer difference between Arsenal and City. Arsenal's be- uh, City's best center back goes down. They're above replacement. Their their replacement is is John Stones. Their replacement is Imeric Laporte, like Akanji. Saliba yeah. Saliba goes down. Or Gabriel goes down. Jacob Carrier. That's that's who we're that's who we're working with. Like there you go. And you want to talk about oh City have all these competitions? Yeah, they do. But they also have three title winning teams in their roster. Like this is. Yeah, this is when it comes to the run in. This is where the good teams become great. And when you have guys that get worn down over the course of the season, like William Saliba. And by the way, this whole like game by game pins and needles is William Saliba going to play. It's it's not it's not fooling anyone. I was pretty sure he's done for the season. But the second he, uh, they went down, as that was a back injury. If when he didn't come back immediately, this is all nothing. Like William Sleeve will not put on his cleats again for the rest of the season for Arsenal Football Club. But in the media, they'll say looking good in training, um, doing some workouts right now, <laughs> muscles feel good, um, yeah. and then just like what happened today, um, Ornstein will say out for this game, out for next game, out for this game. It'll just mm-hmm. come out. So he's not coming back. It's going to be holding in Gabriel, hopefully, with barring any injuries for the rest of the season, um, which is an issue. It is an issue. Um, because look at the last two results. However, <clears throat> I did not... I, I said multiple times on this podcast, I've said multiple times off this podcast, that I find it so incredibly difficult to be pessimistic about this team. Because of where they came from, I they over the last two seasons their form has flipped on a dime, on an absolute dime both ways, from cruising to terrible. Like it did, uh, what four one against Palace, four one against Leeds. Look, you know, concede a, a drop a two nothing uh place to Liverpool and do the same next week against West Ham. And then draw to Southampton. So, yeah. Their form flips on a dime. And then you got this game coming up. And you could pretty much rule Arsenal out of the title race at this point. If they... Barring a Manchester City collapse. And that that, that would be... I know we're saying, like, oh, Arsenal bottled this season. It would be more of a bottle if City go on and beat Arsenal at the midweek. And somehow lose the league. And the Mm -hmm. form they'd be on. Because if they go and beat Arsenal, it's clear that they are just absolutely cruising it as a football club. And 
maybe if they lose Holland, but then again, they've lost Holland before and they just they pick up the slack elsewhere. So it's just I I it's very hard to be pessimistic about Arsenal. But it's also very easy to be pessimistic when you're going up against one of the greatest football teams ever assembled against arguably the best manager of all time. Do you think that if Arsenal draw this game, they can still win the title? Yes. If they lose the game, I, I'm not going to say it's over because I've, by giving absolutes, I've made a fool of myself. But I would not put my money on Arsenal to win the league if they lose mm. on Wednesday. But if they go and win on Wednesday, which we're like for some reason, like nobody's giving Arsenal any chance to win on Wednesday. Everyone's just like draw it best. Like Arsenal are in first because they have been the best team in the Premier League this season. Plain and simple. They still are the best team in the Premier League this season. In come match week thirty eight, will that be the case? We'll find out. But Arsenal Football Club have been the best team in the Premier League this season. Mikel Teta has been the best coach in the Premier League this season. They can absolutely, without question, go out there at the Etihad and win two one, one nothing. Probably not one nothing because the defense just isn't that solid right now. But three two, something yeah. like that. Um, but I, I, I'll get to another point that I wanted to make. This t- the problem with Arsenal. Clearly, 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 this season and last season is pressure. They mm-hmm. they hopped into a, a Europa League fucking round of 16 game with the smallest of bit of pressure and they folded like they that game should they have you know they beat the shit out of them on, on xg but they still couldn't put the ball in the net like that this team is very very susceptible to pressure and i've really never seen a team in the premier league act like this under pressure like they, usually it's like a couple games maybe like oh they fold in this game fold in that game but like they just Bold under pressure. You look at that yeah. Newcastle, the Arsenal Newcastle game for the end of last season. Oh my God! And then the Spurs game. Like I'm when I'm thinking of this Man City game, as optimistic as I'm trying to be, all I can think about is Arsenal versus Spurs at the end of last season, where they needed to go and at least get a point, and they got their shit rocked. And from the get go, holding out a red card in like 20 minutes, like they 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 fold and. They are the youngest team in the Premier League. If they won the Premier League this year, they would be the youngest team to ever win the Premier League. And it's not even fucking close. Like, the average age of the starting 11 is, like, 23 and a half. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, ridiculous. And uh, come our end-of-season podcast, I will be giving Arsenal plaudits. If they lose every game for the rest of the season, this will be still a fantastic achievement with and a step in the right direction. However, this is something that snowballs you know the more experience you get you think oh the more experience you get in the title race maybe you'll get it better next time but next year if they if they fumble this which is it's becoming likely that they will the next year when they're going toe-to-toe with man city and i think they will you know maybe there might be another team in the race man united chelsea if they get their shit together but they're going to be going toe-to-toe with man city for the next three four five years hopefully it's just gonna Mm -hmm. the next year it's gonna be like oh my God, are we going to fumble this again? And then the next year it's going to be like, oh my God, are we going to fumble this again? It's just going to be... So, I don't know. Maybe when they get older, they gain the experience and they and they just they lock it down a little bit more. But it's just one of those things like 
sure, if 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 the number nine is their issue and they can't put balls in the net, surely their young striker, their young, you know, Saka and Martinelli, if they really weren't scoring this year and that was the reason they weren't winning the title, over the course of a couple of years, they will generate that experience and that scoring ability and that will get them over the line. That's not the issue. They have more than enough talent, more than enough prowess. It's circum. It's like all mentality, which has been their... You know, their forte the whole season was their mentality, and they're just folding at the wrong times. And I hope to God they get over it, but I just feel like it's one of those things that is unsolvable to some extent. To some extent, yes, but I I do think that over time, it is just one of those things that you get better at. I I can't imagine that if, you know, they, they choke this again, that it just becomes a running season theme. I believe that these players have already developed so much in their short careers. I think that it's just bound that, mm-hmm. at least in this respect, they do improve. We don't even know if they bottled it again. Yeah. They've bottled it for two games. They could come out and... Sure, absolutely. And they could learn from last year. So we really, we really don't know yet. But all we can hope is that, at the very least, they bring it down to the wire. Will they bring it down to the wire? Prediction time. It all depends. It all depends upon Wednesday. <laughs> if they lose Wednesday, I think, all right. you know, they don't let's, make it to the final. You know day. what? Let's restructure that. We were going to do the mm-hmm. the match predictions after this. Let's throw it in right now, and then we'll give our title prediction. Mm-hmm. Arsenal, Manchester City at the FT on Wednesday. What do you got? So, I'm predicting a draw here. I'm predicting a two-two draw. Um, for my own sanity, I don't <laughs> think I could predict an Arsenal loss here, just because of what I've been through emotionally these last two weeks. Um, but here, but here's what I think. I think that from a mentality standpoint, Arsenal benefit going into this game from the fact that they're essentially now chasing the title. Because unless they win, the title is out of their hands. Mm-hmm. So they, they really have to go for it. Rather than go into the Etihad with something to defend, with something you know to lose, where they maybe may feel the pressure more, may play a bit more scared, be a bit less creative, inventive, go for it a bit less. I think now Arsenal know they really have to go for it. And I think against against a big team, against a team, I mean they play big teams all the time, but against a team as good as City, if you want to win at the Etihad, you really have to go for it. You're not going to win playing safe, and Arsenal no longer have that luxury. And I think. From their point of view, it benefits them. So that is the one silver lining, I think, of the scenario they're in. I think from a mentality standpoint, it is going to be a bit easier to go and try and win this game. Uh, and I do believe in Arsenal because they have been the best team in the Premier League this season. They are a team full of quality, full of great players. and. They are a great team that can compete with City. That being said, Manchester City are just so, so good right now. I don't know if that's going to stay that way for the rest of the season, but they're going to be facing a healthy City team at 100% capacity. And that's just, even at your best, not a team you can often beat. 11 straight defeats in the league for Arsenal against City. I think that ends on Wednesday 
but they don't take three points. But I think they keep their title hopes alive. That certainly seems like the answer that the football gods want, that it's just going to end up as a draw because they don't want it to be defined on a day like today. Uh, I don't think Arsenal right now it would be it would take some some grit and some they would have to pull out a real performance to get a win right now on Arsenal's form on City's form at the Etihad. It's just all signs point to an Arsenal loss. So any other like every single sign points to an Arsenal loss. Arsenal don't do our their last the last time they played pressure games away from home. St. James last year. Uh. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium last year, they got folded in both of them. Um, they're playing Manchester City team that's playing as good as they have in the last 38 games. <laughs> as good as they played all season. Um, they're playing as bad as they played all season. Uh, they're playing away from home. Did I mention that? Uh, all every I, It's tough to really... Other than the fact that Arsenal sit first because they have generated the most points throughout the, uh, through the first 32 games of the season, there is no real reason to predict Arsenal to take any points in this game. So taking anything other than a loss would be a bold prediction. That being said, I do believe this Arsenal team, and I think they will put up a fight. I, I do think, I forget who said it, whether it was Henri or like Ian Wright or something like that, but they said way earlier in the season that it might benefit Arsenal to become the chasers instead of, you know, the ones with the target on their back because yeah. it takes a lot of that pressure off. And right now, pressure is the only one of the only things standing in their way um, because it was in their hands and then they got pressured and then they lost it. So pressure is clearly that number one adversary right now. And... I still think they're going to lose to one city. And that'll do it for the title race. I think they'll make it close. I think it'll be... Uh, it'll be... Th- because three points... If it's three points on the final day, that's basically season over because their goal difference, unless they... They're down seven goals on goal difference, and if they lost, it'd be more. So... Uh, and they would need City to like lose by multiple goals on the final day. Like... I don't know about that. Um, I think we... Who did they put on the final day, even? Brentford away. Brentford away. All right, well, I don't know. At least it's not a team with nothing to play for. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. I I don't think it'll... I don't, I don't think the, the final day will even be exciting. I think it'll be three or four points, and then it'll be that. Um, I apologize to the, uh, the fans who dropped $4,000 per ticket on the Arsenal Wolves game. <laughs> Because you might be lucky to get a quarter of that come match week 36, match week 37. As much as I want to believe in this team, I'm, I, I still do believe in this team. It's just Manchester City are such a well-oiled machine right now. And their, their fixture congestion hasn't really hit them yet. It's about to. I wish this game was in a week or so. But I, right now, it's, it hasn't really hit them yet. So they're still in full form. And they've gotten... They almost have their full team. Well, I think Phil Foden is the only one who's really injured from. Now he's back. He's back. So there you go. Yeah, they're, they literally have. They're everybody. basically at full strength, and Arsenal are missing uh, William Saliba, who's a you know I I say a key piece, but they're all key pieces with with a yeah. with a first team as solidified as Arsenal's has been this season. 
losing just one of those guys is a crack in the dam. And I think that if they have William Saliba, it's it would have been a crazy run in. But without William Saliba, I think you saw in the last three games, they're just going to crack a little bit too much. And I think City will go on to win the title, which is the first time I've said that all season, by the way. That City were going to win the title. I, I've believed in them up until the last three games. Just not only because of the form. I think they could recover from the form, but not having William Saliba is it's just like that extra little bit that's just not it, it it hurts them too much honestly and it's not just Saliba it's their replacement which is Rob Holding I love Rob Holding but he's he he just simply can't play out of the back but and with that we will move on to our goal picks for the upcoming two weeks because there's a mid a midweek match week match week thirty three and then a uh weekend match week match week 37 if you're unfamiliar with the goal picks competition it is a season-long competition between me and ethan where before every match week we look ahead to the next match week in this case two match weeks and we try to pick what players we think are going to score in the upcoming match week we get three of them three guesses but the catch is that the other player the other person has three blocks and if i do if i take three picks and ethan has blocked one of them he gets to choose that player instead of the player that I originally wanted, and vice versa. Why don't you give us the update? Yeah, so whereas Brian had a very good week in the uh, worst team wins uh, column that probably won't end up meaning much, Brian has closed the gap to something more feasible in this case. He had three goals this week, two courtesy of Alexander Isak, and one courtesy of a blocked player, Huang Yichan. Only the second time this year that has happened where the yeah. or Huang Yichan was not a blocked player, but rather a replacement for a blocked player. I believe it was Harry Kane who he tried to choose. Uh, Kane did uh, score this week, so it canceled out. But he did get a goal courtesy of his blocked replacement, Huang Yichan. So that brought his total up to 23 on the season. And I got one goal. In these past two weeks, courtesy of Gabriel Jesus, none from McAllister and Riyad Mahrez. And that brings my season total to 28. So a five goal gap with six games to go. That is a very, very all feasible to play for. Uh, deficit. Yeah. Certainly all to play for. All right. And with that, we'll get some picks, some crucial run in picks. What do you got? All right. So for my first pick this week, I'm going with. Alexander Isak, probably a risky pick now mm. based on the form he has been on. But, I mean, it's hard not to pick this guy right now. He is scoring for fun. And not only that, but just overall as a player, I just really love him as a striker. I think he's fantastic in every facet of his game. But right now, all I'm concerned with is the goals. And he has a couple of nice matchups coming up this week. If I bring up the uh, fixtures, obviously. Most of these teams are playing twice uh, in the upcoming days. Uh, Newcastle play away at Everton and home to Southampton. So two very tasty fixtures. Ones that I'm sure Braden may have looked at, may mm. not have. We'll see. Uh, my next pick is Marcus Rashford. Just hoping to maybe slip this one by you because he only recently got back from injury. I don't think he's played in the Prem yet. Uh, I believe he played in the uh, FA Cup, though. Uh, not the easiest of fixtures. Spurs away midweek. Well, I guess that's not too difficult. But 
and then uh, Aston Villa away. So actually two somewhat difficult fixtures, but if Rashford continues the scoring form he was on before his injury, there should be no problems there. And a third pick is Mohamed Salah, also playing Spurs this week in addition to going away at the London Stadium versus West Ham. Salah scoring, finding his scoring form towards the back end of this season. He uh, got the winner this past weekend against Nottingham Forest. So three somewhat obvious picks. I'm probably expecting at least one of these to go down. I'm, pro- I'm hoping for two, though. But uh, what's the damage here? You could have Salah. You can have Isaac. You cannot have Marcus Rashford. All right. Isaac. Yeah, I'll take I, that. I probably should have liked Isaac that. in hindsight. I mean, he, he's gotten picked by us so much recently. I thought that he would just be a bit too obvious. Also, he's like bound to regress at some point. He's literally scored like every single week. Um, But yeah, you can have Isaac. Hopefully All this right. week he stunts a little bit. All right. You can have one heat chan because... Sure as hell is not scoring back to back. All right. Um, <laughs> Just you wait. <laughs> Just you wait. I guess it would be, you know, net some zero if he comes back and scores <laughs> for you and then for me. Or for me and then for you. Um, okay, my picks. Starting off with Ollie Watkins. I feel like I haven't picked him in a couple of weeks. Good chance you probably blocked him. Um, you seem to just read my mind recently. So it doesn't really <laughs> matter who I pick. It's just an equal chance it's going to get blocked. Second pick is Ivan Tony. Um, just two players in that wheelhouse where you might have just like swooped up any of those guys in there. Um, those like you know, Mitoma Tony guys. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, the the non big six non big six scores exactly. Isaac's <laughs> yeah. in there too, I guess. Um, yeah. And then the third one, the one I'm pretty sure you didn't pick, is Mikel Antonio, because West Ham have been on okay form recently. Um, you know. Draw to Arsenal, four nothing win. Uh, what do you got? So I pretty much picked uh three of the non big six scores. Mm-hmm. Of course, that does include Ivan Tony, unfortunately okay. for you. So you can't have him, but you can have Mikel Antonio, and you can have Ollie Watkins. Ollie right. Watkins, I guess, is the other uh big six yeah. uh or non big six score. I have yeah. Isak and Matoma. So. Matoma, yeah, sure, yeah. So you can have Awonye, which was a popular choice towards the beginning of the season, sure. but we're bringing him back because right. he started last week. Uh, but with that, we will round out the podcast for this week. Uh, enjoy the game on Wednesday. For any fan, Arsenal City neutral, it is going to be a clash for the ages. Uh, rare, you know, I won't say rarely, but it's not too often that we see a... You know, essentially, this is a one-point difference between these two teams, essentially, because we we assume City are going to take care of business away from Arsenal. So, assuming this is a one-point gap between the two, with six games to go, technically, if they played their games at hand, this is a unique fan experience uh, during this run-in. So, enjoy every second. I am not going to enjoy a single second of it, unless they're <laughs> up 3 nothing at some point, which is unlikely. I'm going to be pissing myself for 90 minutes. I'm sure Ethan will, too. Uh, But with that, we will say goodbye. Adios. See ya.